everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Space Talk. I'm your host, Athena Brensberger. Uh, some of you might know me as Astro Athens. And I have got a special treat for you today for this episode, episode 44, because I have got a very good friend of mine. I still consider him to be my mentor today. I'm always still learning things from him, Dr. Charles Liu. So I'm going to go ahead and as we usually do when we have a special guest is read his bio and then we'll bring him on to ask him some questions. Just a few reminders, we do have a live chat feature. So if you want to ever type any comments in there, please do as we can read them um, during the entire podcast. So let's get into uh, this bio about Dr. Charles Liu. Astrophysicist Charles Liu is an astrophysics professor at the City University of New York's College of Staten Island, where I actually know him from, and an associate with the Hayden Planetarium and Department of Astrophysics at the American Museum of Natural History in New York City. His research focuses on colliding galaxies, quasars, and the star formation history of the universe. He earned his degrees from Harvard University and the University of Arizona and held postdoctoral positions at Kitt Peak National Observatory and Columbia University. Together with co-authors Robert Iron and Dr. Neil deGrasse Tyson, he received the 2001 American Institute of Physics Science Writing Award for the book One Universe at Home in the Cosmos. He is also the author of the Handy Astronomy Answer Book, which is actually my personal favorite, now which is in its third edition. And most recently, he is the author of Star Talk, Everything You Ever Need to Know About Space Travel, Sci-Fi, The Human Race, The Universe, and Beyond with Neil deGrasse Tyson and Jeffrey Lee Simons. He and his wife, who is way smarter than he is, and have three children, who are also way smarter than he is. So Dr. Charles Liu, if you all will put a big round of applause together for Charles. Hello, hello, hello. How are you? Hi, Athena. It is such a pleasure to be here, as always, just to talk with you and to catch up. And uh, hello, everybody who is listening. Thank you so much for being here. Really hope for uh, a good time. We'll we'll have uh, fun together for the next uh, period of time here. Go for it, Athena. Yes. Oh, well, I'm sure we have so many questions um, for you, Charles. Uh, but I want to kind of start off with, I guess, a more a little bit of an, an emotional question, which is the big why. So why do you do what you do? Why astrophysics? And why work in education? The number one reason I do it, as opposed to something else, is it's fun. And it's something that I love to do. And it took me a number of years to figure out that this was the best thing for me to do for my career where I could have fun. And then the second thing is that actually it's not a terrible living. Uh, I'm very fortunate that being able to do this uh, means that I can, you know, help my family and uh, me eat and sleep indoors. Um, those are basically the two reasons and that's it. And aside from that, uh, that's been so rewarding. It's a great and fun time. Every time I get to talk to people and I get to tell them stuff, they always have questions. I can answer them. We all feel good. And knowing what's out there and what's in here, understanding the universe gives me a real sense of, of peace and calm and joy, knowing that, you know, I can have the crappiest day in the world and it's not that big a deal because the universe is still cool. <laughs> it's all out there. It's just a combination of, of being fun and being fulfilling. I, I don't know how much more deep or cosmic it is than that. 
Yeah. Oh, that's so, that's so great. And that's what's so inspirational to me um, from specifically you, Charles, but also to just of, of being in the field of astronomy and like learning about, like, there's so many new discoveries that are constantly happening. Um, but you really, I think, have this true way of connecting to the students. Um, and I'm going to pause it real quick because I do see we have a caller. I, there is a chat feature. So if you want to do that, maybe you could go ahead and type your question in there. Um, so to kind of get into the classroom experience, uh, Dr. Charles Liu really, really inspired me on my first day taking his astronomy class at the College of Staten Island. Well, on the first day you ran into the classroom, you I think you jumped up on the teacher's desk and said, who wants to learn about space? And the very first experiment you did with us was to conceptually understand centripetal acceleration. And so you put a stool on the desk, you asked for a student to come sit up on it and to do the experiment where you push out your arms and legs, spin it to run the thought experiment <laughs> with the class, ask them what they think is going to happen when, when they pull their arms and legs in. Um, and I just remember in that moment, cause that classroom was filled with tons of different majors, right? It wasn't just physics yeah. and science majors. There was communications and music. And I was a political science major at the time. And I just saw everyone's like eyes just light up in that moment. Cause so, they learned something and it clicked. So was this something that you maybe recognized maybe about yourself when you were younger of just how, how important that human connection is or connecting to people that you thought, I really want to teach astronomy and just sort of like, yeah, the universe to, to other people and to maybe to students. That's a great question, Athena. You know, you know how you are a, a scientist and yet also you're also an artist, a dancer, a performer of various kinds, right? Mm -hmm. as, as are well, you <laughs> yeah and, and i think that therein lies you know if there is any sort of core to how i teach and how i interact with people it's it's that because i realize that i as a person am not just a one-dimensional machine that happens to do something one way right and mm -hmm. and so i had to for to be true to myself before uh anything else that's the most important thing and if i let my own personal understanding and, and appreciation of the material shine through while being able to communicate the material in a deep way, that's how I'm going to connect with students most, right? Um, mm -hmm. As a performer, uh, I, of course, am not nearly the performer that you are. I just like like to perform. I'm just not good at it. But when you're a science professor, <laughs> I was going to say you definitely are, and I'm going to bring up an example soon. <laughs> no, no, when, when, when you're a when you're a science professor, they don't expect you to be a performer at all, right? Mm -hmm. So by violating benignly that expectation, right? I'm just a, a guy uh, in the front of the room wearing thick glasses and uh, just um, memorized a big book or something, right? That's not the case, and so immediately, uh, just by Doing those kinds of fun things, like my own sort of spirit of performance and wanting to tell people cool stuff and to show people cool stuff, whether it's astronomy or it's uh, a song or whether it's a neat uh, line in a musical or a play or, or anything like that. By doing that in there, it adds this extra dimension, which I think a lot of people can relate to. And so it's not intentionally you know designed sort of artificially to get a reaction from students but it's an expression of who i am inside 
and that itself is its reward, right? If I'm able to be who I am and other people are watching me and listening to me and appreciating that, then that alone, uh, if I can do that every day, that makes me happy. That's really what it is. Yeah. And that's, that's such an important thing, to, I think, to recognize. And maybe sometimes we get so caught up on kind of what are we supposed to do? What is our mission in life? What are in, And if you kind of just look at the things that make you happy, like you mentioned, and, and find what can do that, what can, what can, how you can pursue that as a career or as like a full-time thing, then you're ultimately fulfilling both that level of happiness and also still doing something by like kind of leaving a footprint in this world. Um, yeah. Well, well said, Athena. I, I, I want, you know, I, I think I've taken a lot of chances in my life without really realizing it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, if you do things in life that aren't expected because it's who you are, because it's, you know, your truth or something like that to, to get a little bit philosophical, then sometimes people around you are going to be surprised. They're not going to really know what to make of you. Right. And, and I mm -hmm. think I was just very fortunate that I was surrounded by people who, sort of looked at me and like, you know, you're, you're a funny kid, but uh, I see that you are, are trying to be true to yourself. And so I'm going to help you along because I, I, I believe in you, you know, and I was very fortunate to be surrounded by people like that so that as I continue to sort of be unconventional, other folks are like, well, okay, let's let him go for it. Let's work with them and see what happens. And so I've achieved, you know, what I've done in my life by doing what I wanted to do, uh, trying to be uh, courteous and, and respectful of other people at all times, you know, never like letting myself sort of suck all the oxygen out of a room or something like that. But, but always knowing that I'm going to be true to myself first and just be myself. And then other people really uh, have been so good to me, you, uh, my students, my colleagues, my uh, mentors over the years, and just being nice to me and say, okay, you do your thing, see what happens. And, and I've, I've been very fortunate to be able to do that, I think. Yeah. And I think a really kind of good expression of that with, with some more stuff that you're currently doing that I, I was able to find on the, the, the world of the internet, the, the, the <laughs> internet universe, um, was a song that you sang about the James <laughs> Webb Space Telescope. And uh -huh. it, it right away made me, and maybe I could get some comments or some emojis sent through, through the app, but does anyone ever remember it when you were in school and you tried to memorize something so you did it by a song? And whether it was through like the, you know, the, the states in the United States or it was um, different like colors of, of the rainbow or maybe of the visible light spectrum. There's all these ways that that music plays such an important role in not only memorization, but just sort of that relation to humans, like you mentioned. And I saw this video literally this morning. Um, it was for the launch of your new podcast called Lunaverse. So like yes. Dr. Lou, is, as you would know, but for everyone else. Um, so I just, I guess I wanted to first share that. Um, second thing is like, can we ever do a duet? That would be so much fun. And the third thing, like, uh, like how did you choose to sort of go for it and do that? Because I think it takes a lot of courage to sort of like, just sort of sing and almost be like, 
open and kind of raw and vulnerable to, to like sing on camera, you know, like I, I'm a little shy about that. Um, but seeing you do it, it like really motivated me, inspired me to be like, Oh my gosh, I, like, I want to do this. This is, this is so fun. So why did you choose to choose to do that? That was really cool. (laughs) Oh, Athena, you're so kind. Thank you. Yeah. These are the 12 things like to be observing with JWST, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, was that, that was on my TikTok. I, I just, well, I'll answer your second question first. You are welcome to do a duet with me anytime. At the end. I would be I would so much fun. To, it, would be <laughs> honor, it would be an honor to to be there with you uh, on there because you sing so well. And um, let's let's do it and have a good time. And and we'll put it on on. I don't know. I guess we could put it on TikTok or whatever. Yeah. But uh, yeah, why why do I sing songs? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have a, a childhood memory of um, my mother uh, saying, and I kind of remember doing this as well, that there was like a, a microphone, some sort of community event, and they were inviting kids to come up and do uh, whatever, you know, tell fun stories or sing a song. I was just jumping up there and I wouldn't let the mic go because I had so much fun being up there and being the center of attention. So <laughs> maybe it just starts from from when you're young and, and you want to be that center of attention. Um, and then over time, it sort of mellows where you realize that being a center of attention all the time isn't always the best thing. But if people are willing to give you their attention, why don't you make it fun for them? Why don't you have a good time and, and do something from within yourself? And, and that vulnerability, like you said, Athena, it's true for every performer, right? You, you put yourself out there. I mean, I... You can always imagine this sort of nightmare scenario where you try your very hardest and you give a performance of your lifetime. You put your heart and soul to it, and then you look out in the audience and nobody applauds. Yeah, nobody appreciates it. Like, oh my gosh, that's the end. That's all over. The, you know, we're done. And and that's a very frightening thing. Uh, but at the same time, I know that if I am true to myself, even if zero people pay attention, I still did something that was cool for myself. And it does take a, a bit of courage. In my take, in my case, it takes you know maybe some ego <laughs> to know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm fine even if nobody likes me, kind of thing. But um, I, I am more sensitive to making sure nowadays. I, I know when I was younger and, and less uh, sensitive to this, I, I might perform in such a way that might um, embarrass other people or make pe- other people feel you know not not great. So I, I never try, for example, to to use any kind of humor or performance that might uh, belittle somebody else or, or make them feel you know, you know, less than or something like that and, and try to be as self-deprecating as possible and understand my own foibles uh, before picking on anybody else. Uh, and I tried not to do those kinds of things. And so that helps me, right? I don't feel like I have to worry about what other people think of me talking about other people if I'm just talking about myself. And because when I'm talking about myself, I, I know it's true, right? Um, yeah. And then, and then the the performance aspect, doing little songs, you know, having fun with it, and well, <laughs> okay, the specific aspect about little songs about science, like the mm-hmm. JWST one I did on TikTok, and a few others I've done some, you know, like um, there's a there's a there's an airborne observatory that's run in combination with European and American scientists. It's called SOFIA, right? Mm-hmm. The observatory for Infrared Astronomy, and so. I was just thinking, well, why don't I, you know, because Sophia and Maria are pretty similar, right? So instead of singing Maria, like from West Side Story, why don't you sing 
Sophia, what is this <laughs> observatory? You know, like that. And you just have fun with it and, and you have and enjoy. I first started doing little tiny songs like that in my classes. Uh, you may remember me singing a, a lick or two in my astronomy class with you, you know, something about the sun. Uh, that's from They Might Be Giants. And before that, that was done in the 1950s by a, a bunch of people on, on vinyl uh, from a long time ago. You know, the sun I think... is a mass of incandescent gas, right? Yes, that's what it was. Yep. <laughs> and then from there, right, you, you can you can go very easily. Like black holes, one of the things I like to say about black holes, for example, is that black holes don't suck, right? A lot yes. of people, that's sort of a, a fun double entendre, but it's true. And black holes have gravity, but they're not like vacuum cleaners, right? They, if you have an object and it just sits there, it doesn't matter how compact it is, whether it's compact like a black hole or it's spread out like a nebula or something. If you're far away from it, its gravitational influence is essentially the same. So black holes don't suck you in, but you don't want to fall into one. Uh, and so it's just a very straightforward thing from black holes don't suck. Um, there's just it, That's just a, a naturally goes into something like Harry Belafonte, right? Uh, you know, Deo, Deo. Why don't you just say black holes don't suck? Yeah, and then it just becomes a song. Right? And then it becomes like one. such a, a good lesson, too, because I think that really sticks with, with a lot of students. Um, right. Can we go into that, actually, now that we're, we've mentioned, like, black holes, and, and now that we've been mentioning <laughs> space objects, um, yes. I, I want to spend a little bit of time kind of talking about just, like, the things that I think we we all are probably waiting to to talk to you about, which is space stuff like space objects um you know you you study galaxy collisions um which was funny because when i was when your your student and you were my mentor i was more so studying early planetary systems proplids it's a little different um but if you can somehow maybe tie that in with your podcast the lunaverse are you if you're gonna be are you gonna be talking about any of your research in that is that somewhere a source where people can come and, and learn about what you're like conducting research on that's a great point I, I will be talking a little bit about my own research in the lunaverse but what i really want to do is talk about the research of others my feeling is that the Lunarverse is my way of trying to communicate with people all the neat stuff that's happening in scientific research throughout the universe. Um, I love learning about everything from the proplids that you did, for example, as an undergraduate, uh, and to the exoplanets and stars and galaxies and the universe itself, clusters of galaxies – Black holes, big and small, you know, all of it is so neat. But, of course, I don't do research in all of that stuff. I know a little bit about everything. But there mm -hmm. are people who do research in those things. And, you know, there are the famous folks who are um, old farts like me that have done a lot of work and things like that. And we can talk with great uh, authority on the latest blah, 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 right? No, I would rather talk to people who are just uh, – making it into the field and being really successful. Folks that are sort of uh, well along in their graduate work or they've just finished their PhD or they're new professors. And those folks are really where the cutting edge is, right? Where the ideas are coming forward. And, and what I want to do is to bring on some of those cool folks who are uh, just at the cusp of newest things. And, and we talk about their science. So the first few episodes, for example, of the Lunarverse 
podcast uh, include conversation with someone who is studying supermassive black holes, not in the centers of galaxies, near the centers, but not in the centers. Okay, we're talking with somebody who studies the small stars around which habitable planets could exist. We're talking with people who use uh, satellites like TESS and Gaia to actually find exoplanetary systems within our own galaxy. I talk about uh, talk with someone who does work with computational astrophysics to figure out what happens when stars blow up. They're actually simulating supernovas and and uh, nuclear blasts and con- deflagration and conflagration in in these compact objects. So these are the cool things that I'm talking about as well. So my science and other people's science. And then, if I may say, these people are, are like you, Athena. They're young and cool. Uh, oh, they, that's cool. They, Thanks. They, they <laughs> are understanding what is up, right? I mean, what What's mm-hmm. up? What, what matters? What's interesting? And so not only do they talk about their science with incredible knowledge and, and experience and, and expertise, but they also talk about life. You know, we talk about things like, the pop culture, the science of science fiction. What do we like? You know, are there books we like, shows we like. Uh, I myself, as you know, love comic books, right? Uh, one of my uh, the first episodes is going to be my time when I hosted a panel at New York Comic Con uh, <laughs> back in the fall. Uh, but the idea is indeed to to mix all of that and realize that scientists are human beings, whole human beings that do neat things, including sing and dance and jump around, but also other things, you know, books that they like to read, things that they're thinking about. Um, one of the guests that we have in the first episodes is a dancer. Uh, oh, that's cool. All, yeah. So, so talking about all these things matters to me so much too, because I care uh, that people uh, out there know that, we are humans first and foremost, and we just happen to be doing scientific research as a career, but it is all those other things that makes us uh, cool, that make us astronomers, that make us people, that make us part of the society. And everybody has a story and everyone has something cool to contribute beyond their expertise in their career. And so I'm bringing that out too, because I think that is a really neat part of our universe that I would love to share with people. Wow. That's definitely a podcast. Uh, I think everyone should listen to then. I mean, it sounds like it'll not only be like educational and informational, but really inspiring. Um, so kind of on that note, uh, here's a sort of spontaneous question I just thought about, because I okay. recognize a few of our listeners who are listening in right now that um, I happen to know, whether it's through social media or we've met in person, that are um, aspiring astrophysicists or currently are or like in the research and undergraduate or went for a different degree and now they're coming back to school for astronomy. So awesome. what I want to ask you kind of for the advice that you gave me when I was at a crossroads between mm. like, you know, when I, you know, remember the time with America's Next Top Model, right? When I was in the yeah. middle of doing research at the Hayden Planetarium with you. So I yeah. was at such a crossroads between uh, finishing, you know, doing more of my research, finishing my degree and, and pursuing international modeling. And you had such a great response. So what would you say to anyone who's listening now who might feel either a, that they're at a crossroads with maybe another career or B they're having serious, serious doubts about themselves that maybe they feel are like really backed up by like their grades or by um, maybe lack of motivation by those around them. Um, what would you say to them? But if they really love space, they really want to pursue it, but 
you know, maybe they're not so good at math and they're failing at their their math classes. What what would you, that's just an example. Maybe they're not, but that was the story for for me. It was, I wasn't doing too well. So what would you say to those, uh, those students? Athena, I'm, I'm embarrassed because I give so much like talk to, there's so much to say on that. I don't know if there was a particular thing amongst all the things that I said that really resonated with you compared with other people. And, and I don't want to, you know, say something that turns out, wait, that's not what I, that you told me. So, uh, but, but I will oh, say, it's okay. it'll totally yeah, change too. And I, and I get that. It's, yeah. yeah. No, my, my basic point is, um, the universe will always be here. That's exactly you what you study. said. <laughs> that is exactly what you said. Yes. I like have yeah. this like written down. I, wow. Okay. <laughs> sorry. Continue. But that's exactly what you said. The universe will always be here. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. It really will. Um, one of the things that the, I guess this is deep, but, but, or, or it's shallow. One or the other is that they realize that studying the universe, it is always going to be there. If you have other things in your life that are time sensitive, if, for example, a modeling opportunity is coming along now and it might not come along again in a few months, but you love astronomy and you wa- love doing this thing and, and you're torn or something, or you're not sure that this is the right thing for you to do right now, don't worry about it. It might not be. And if indeed the moment right now is for you to go do something else and to pursue something that will make you whole, then that's what you should be doing. And that's okay, because when the time comes and you're ready to come back to the universe, the universe will be here. And it's that's what I hope all people who are wondering what to do next will be able to do. It's not always possible, because I know the world is constrained in many ways. Uh, but if you can feel good about yourself when you're doing something, it doesn't matter when you're doing it or when you plan to do it, it'll happen. And you go with what your gut and your heart and your mind together tell you is what's right for you. And other people, uh, they can be well-meaning and they can be helpful, but in the end, they can only help you get to where you want to be. Uh, And don't let them take you somewhere where you don't want to be because then that just makes you less happy. I want you to be happy. That's what I want. And the universe will always be here when you're ready to come to it, then it will make you happy too. Wow. Snaps to that. (laughs) (laughs) Who else is just, yeah, really, really, that maybe really spoke to a lot of people right now. Um, It did also speak to me again. So thank you, Charles, for for that wonderful, wonderful insight. Of course. This this is just, uh, it's such a pleasure to be able to talk about these things. Really, thanks. Yeah. Um, so I know that we're coming on close. We've, we've probably got about 10 more minutes um, before yeah. I know you, you have to head out. So what I want to do is I'm going to open this up now to the audience and I'm going to connect it to kind, of, kind of segue here with a book you're about to release called The Cosmos Explained. The yes. full title is The History of the Universe from its beginning to today and beyond. And this way, maybe if anyone asks any questions, you can explain the cosmos. <laughs> I just thought of this. <laughs> maybe it's a little cheesy, but uh, I'm really excited about this book. I'm going to open up the queue. Do you want to tell me a little bit or us a, a shorter brief thing before we get a question coming in about the book and when it comes out? Yeah. Most textbooks 
are, you know, they, they're well organized. So this is about the, the planets. This is about the stars. This is about the galaxies. This is about the universe. But I wanted to tell the story of the universe in order from when it started to when it's going to end and use us as a way station. Like we're focusing down. It's almost, you imagine like a couple of cones, right? Time, the whole universe then focuses from the Big Bang 13.8 billion years ago to us today. And then uh, we on Earth are experiencing time too. Our history is also part of cosmic history. And then moving forward beyond there, what is gonna happen to our universe thereafter? We don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow here on Earth, but we do know what's gonna happen a billion years from now, five billion years from now. We know these things because of physics. We know these things because of astronomy and thinking about these things and studying them. So we actually do have a sense of what the history of the universe is going to be. And it's really my pleasure in this book. And, and Ivy Press is a, a great publisher for me. They were very kind and said, yeah, you tell the story the way you want. And, and they've created this opportunity for me to do this. It's, it's um, releasing in, I believe, April 1st or April 10th or something like that. It's available for pre-order now in various places online. And it's just the history of the universe. And um, I, I don't presume to explain every single little bit of the universe, but I hope that the book will explain the cosmos as a whole for everybody, not just in its pieces, not just in sort of looking out from the earth, but putting the earth and putting us humanity, you know, our lives and our existence in the historical context of the entire universe. Yeah, that sounds great. That sounds like it's the, the kind of the... I think the, the overall perspective of being able to sort of see the universe in its entirety in the way that I guess we can with, with the way that humans sort of comprehend it is probably a way that, yeah, I haven't necessarily really picked up a book that maybe does that. Um, so you said it'll be more of a textbook? Nope. Not no, it textbook. will be. Okay, it it'll, won't be like a be, textbook. It'll be anti-textbook. Anti-textbook. It's kind of like a, a story. A, <laughs> yes, it's a story. It, it's a timeline. Every spread is going to have a big picture in it. It might have some small pictures in it. So it's it's an illustrated history of the universe almost. Uh, enjoy it for, you know, leaf through it, its pictures. Think about like the whole process of everything. No single moment in time gets more or less uh, interesting. Uh, it's more or less attention than the others, but it's sort of that whole story. Yeah. How each yeah. piece fits into the whole puzzle. Right. That sounds right. great. Oh, well, that's exciting. A, I like it. And it's not a textbook at all. And, and, and you know, if it were a textbook, in fact, I, I, was, uh, I was writing a textbook about 10 years ago about astronomy. And we just stopped. Uh, the, the, after writing it for about a year, and I was like, you know what? This doesn't feel right. This is, this is not how I want to show the universe to people. And so something like the Cosmos Explained and all the other things that I've written and done over the years is much more like how I want to explain the universe to people, you know, how yeah. to me, how the Cosmos Explained itself to me, not in a set of facts in these well-organized things to memorize, but the whole story of the universe. That's really how I felt about it. Oh, I love that. Oh, I can't wait to read it. Um, and it looks like we've got a question. Ada, let's try this again. Um, if you want to try and hit the unmute button in the bottom right, and then you could ask your question. Hi, Feel free. can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. How are you? I'm doing okay. Sorry, apparently my mic wasn't working earlier. 
So uh, I'm an artist and an engineer planning to study probably cosmology for my master. So I wanted to Wonderful. ask, what field, thanks, what field in astrophysics and cosmology do you think is like most underrated and needs more attention? Like if someone asked me as an energy engineer, I would say nuclear energy is underrated. How about cosmology uh. and <laughs> This is Thank a great you. question. Uh, I'll tell you what. Um, I will tell you at this moment, the thing that is getting the most attention is exoplanets. Studying the planets outside our solar system is, is the best stuff to do. However, let me tell you that when I was emerging from graduate school, cosmology was the most important thing. Heck, when I did my work on, on colliding galaxies, when I first started it, it was considered just a, a mere curiosity, a rarity amongst things that happened in the universe. And today, uh, colliding galaxies are one of the most important mechanisms that we understand the evolution of the galaxy population as a whole from the Big Bang to the present day. So um, you might be jumping into like the hottest area now, but in a few years, it might be a different field. And in astronomy, it certainly has been. It's been rotating, and different things come up at different times, depending, depending on new discoveries, depending on new technologies. So pursue the thing that you like to do in addition to whatever is hot so that as you go forward, uh, you can be ready for anything, and you'll be enjoying it all along the way. That sounds great. <laughs> so it sounds like also probably the advice you gave me when I went into studying proplids because um, <laughs> that was really interesting to me. <laughs> Thank you, Ada. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. Both. Thank you so much. Good luck. Uh, art, engineering, what a great combination. I can't wait. Yeah. Oh, we've got another art and engineer who happened to just join. The, the, I see Kitty just joined. Um, so, Kitty, if you have any questions or if anyone else has any questions, feel free to tap the call-in button. Um, I know we have a few minutes left, Charles. I know you are keeping track of the time. Um, yeah, but yeah. That, that was a very good question, our underrated area of cosmology. Um, so if anyone else has anything, feel free either to type it in the chat um, or to... Um, here we go. We've got Mario. Let's okay. see. Okay, Mario, you are on the mic. What's up? Hi. Hello. Yes. Uh, so, um, so, uh, Dr. Charles, do you, well, I'll, I'll keep it quick. So first of all, I want to say thank you. Your words really are very inspirational, you know, oh, you're really very well. a lot to me. and, you know, and also, you know, uh, you know, so it's be, it's because of you that now we have a scene as one, which of course I'm I'm very grateful for. <laughs> I, I cannot take all the credit for Athena. Athena just happened to be in my class. She was the best student in my class that year, by the way. There there was one other student who was almost as good as she was, and um, but Athena was the best. Uh, I just have to say, and and uh, she did all the hard work. Believe me, she has created a a one of a kind presence in humanity so i'm proud to be uh, associated with her that's that's the deal go ahead oh i was stopping let's get let's get to the question <laughs> so okay so my question is you know you mentioned that you know on your even if you have the worst day possible you know you you, you acknowledge that at least the universe is cool it's still there it's still awesome it's so yeah. i mean so you know like most people i have i have bad days um yeah you know, and, you know, we all do, you know, and like, I also like the universe. I think it's cool, but is it 
like what do you do to like remind yourself keep that within yourself you know because it's very easy to be caught up in your own palms how do you remind yourself you know what the universe is still there that's a great question mario and and for that i have often sought the advice of my psychology colleagues Uh, the human brain is incredibly mysterious also right it is a testament to the universe that in the universe, which is in itself so incredibly complex, there are substructures like the human brain, which itself is so incredibly complex and still has so many different mysteries. So I can't pretend to be able to know how, for example, my brain works, even though I kind of know in some large, broad strokes how the universe works. But the folks who study the brain, the psychology folks, um, there are there are people who do something called the psychology of happiness. And it sounds a little cheesy, but it's actually they're trying to ask themselves, what does happiness really mean, right? And how do we keep ourselves happy while we're doing the work that we're doing? We can be disturbed at times. We can be sad. We can be frustrated. We can be angry. But that doesn't mean we can be happy overall in life. And so what uh, the studies show, and, and I'll try to go for about 30 seconds about this, Mario, hopefully that's okay. There, there are two. There, no, no. Uh, I, uh, there are two um, branches, uh, two rough categories of happiness in our lives. One is something called life satisfaction, which means that like if you're looking at your life uh, from uh, uh, the distance, like do you think you, you did good stuff? Do you think your life has been good up to now and you think it'll be good in the future? So, that, so that's a life satisfaction measurement. And then the other is emotional well-being. Which means that, like, on a day-to-day level, an hour-to-hour, are you happy? Are you sad? Are you, you know? And those two different components actually have two different ways of being able to be maximized, right? So the the idea that the universe will still be there, that you know, my crappy day uh, doesn't mean uh, anything uh, in the large scale of things, and everything will be all right in the long run. That's sort of a more life satisfaction aspect, if that makes sense, Mario. Yeah, so, yeah, that makes sense. So you can sort of, so yes, yeah, so you can understand that. So so one of the things I comfort myself with is realizing, boy, this today was really bad. I had all kinds of like failures and misses and, and I didn't get a whole lot done. I'm, I'm really bummed about that. So then I recognize, okay, that's my emotional well-being talking, right? My emotional well-being right now is not great. But the overall life satisfaction aspect of the happiness, realizing that the universe is still there, that I have a lots of good stuff going on, that overall things are, are actually in great shape. I have people who love me and care for me, and, and I care about people, and uh, I'm doing something I appreciate overall. That helps me a lot because then I know, okay, so that aspect of my happiness was not fulfilled today, but that other aspect is still strong, right? So that's one way that I, I go about doing that. And then the second thing about emotional well-being I have read from my colleagues who do psychology that if you can even find like a few things a week that you can feel good about, they can be true, and minor, uh, and you write them down. Oddly, writing it down is actually useful. So if like once or twice a week, you just write down on a piece of paper, or if you wish to write a journal or something, a list of cool things that happen. It, it could be an achievement on your part. You know, you, you got a raise or uh, you had a really nice dinner. You cooked something or you even uh, saw the moon at sunset and it was this beautiful thin crescent and the sky was really pretty 
and uh, you were looking and you just thought, wow, that's really cool, you know? Um, even those little things, big things or little things, you write them down and write, the act of writing them down plus the act of looking at them sometime in the future helps your general emotional well-being. Does that help? Maybe that will help you. That sounded great. Even even for me, that was awesome advice. Um, so yeah, Mario, thank you for asking that question. I hope that, sorry, I interrupted, but I hope that, that did help. I know that uh, that was yeah. probably really... Yeah, that that helped a lot. Yeah, it's, it's a good awesome. Idea to have in life, you know, it's something I throw with you know thinking about oh well, what is it that makes me happy? How do I maintain happiness? It's really a question that you know I I hadn't thought about. A lot of problems that like, come from that I don't that I don't think about it enough as I should have. Yep. So yeah, that's yeah. very helpful. All right. Well, well thank, thank you, you so question, much. Really appreciate. It. Oh, thank you. Thank you. All right. And Charles, I know that you've got to head out. So um, yes. just want to say thank you so much again for joining uh, Space Talk today. I had such a blast. Um, and I think everyone as well also just gained so much, so much insight from you. So thank oh, you. Thank you for having me, Athena. We'll do this again sometime, okay? We yes. still have those TikToks to record together. <laughs> yes, definitely. Okay. So Charles, feel free to just close out of the app. I'm going to keep going just for okay. a few more minutes. All right. All right. Okay. All bye right. now. Thanks, bye, everybody. See ya. Thank you. All righty. So let's see. So Charles, you should be able to perfect. Just hit mute and remove from speakers. All right. Okay, everyone. So thank you guys so much for joining this episode of Space Talk. I had such a blast um, chatting with Charles. Um, I hope that you guys did too. And um, I, I love how many of you were able to join and were also just called in and asked questions. I know it's a little bit more of a, brief, of a brief episode, but maybe we'll be having Charles come on again in the future. Um, so a few things that we spoke about today that you might want to go check out is one, um, his book. It's going to be launching April 1st. I'll make sure to put that in the caption of this episode once I publish it. Another thing is going to be his brand new podcast that he has coming out with that's already out called Lunaverse. Uh, if you do have the updated app version, you could see that in the chat, the live chat feature. I've been leaving comments there. So if you want to take a moment to look at that now, otherwise I will also put that in the caption uh, once I publish this episode. But once again, just want to thank you all for joining. Um, tune in next week. We're going to kind of return to some of our, our, our usual episodes of what you can see in the night sky, um, some of our historical figures. And then my next guest is Dr. Kirby Runyon, a planetary geologist working on so many different NASA missions, currently working with the, the Go Zero flights, which is a really cool airplane you could take and feel see what it's like to feel microgravity or weightlessness. Um, so get ready for that interview. It'll be on March 28th at 5 p.m. Central Time. Alrighty. Well, thank you all again. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Make sure to look up at the sky. And until next time, at Astra. Yeah.